You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about some more U.S. extrajudicial killings. In this particular case, we're going to talk about an eight-year-old American girl in Yemen that was actually shot to death by U.S. forces, American SEALs. And so we want to talk about this. This seems to be a tradition, if you will, not a very good one that's being carried on in the Trump administration here. And we uh, have some interesting developments. It turns out that Donald Trump was interviewed recently by Bill O'Reilly, who was castigating for a number of reasons. But one of the things that Trump pointed out was that Americans do not have clean hands about killing others. And so our question is, does Donald Trump really have a conscience after all? Or is this attack in Yemen a case where he's gone along with the establishment's practices? Chuck? Well, uh, yes, thanks, Tom. This is an interesting uh, sideline, what uh, Trump's position happens to be. And the bigger issue that we want to really address is that Since the start of the practice of uh, using drones to selectively find, locate, and kill individuals, the practice of extra uh, judicial killing has grown and grown, and we are, as citizens, we're largely unaware of how it works. We just hear about drone attacks, and we occasionally we hear about somebody being killed. Extra judicial killing, also known as extra judicial execution, is defined as killing of a person by a government authority without the sanction of any judicial process or legal process. So this hardly fits in with our Bill of Rights, where we believe that you're innocent until proven guilty and everybody has a right to a trial. However, for instance, uh, we have extrajudicially executed people who are very valuable to us, would have been very valuable witnesses to be able to listen to and talk to such as Osama bin Laden, who was executed this way by an order. Now, in the case that we're talking about here, the the instant case, it seems that Donald Trump, in his first month of office, was asked to rubber stamp a plan that came down from the Pentagon, we think. And and there's a good bit of discussion and detail on where these things came from. And uh, we're taking a broad stroke on this rather than digging into the minute details, but it it came down and was supposedly presented to uh, Trump at a dinner, of all places. Uh, We're talking about killing people. And he approved this, and this is the first extrajudicial killing that Donald Trump had approved while in office. Now, as we go back into Obama, and in his eight years, his eight years were largely the year of the drone. The drone assassination is pretty new. So Obama had more experience in that than anybody. We don't know how many dozens or hundreds or maybe more of such attacks that Obama personally approved. 
The reason extrajudicial appealings need the rubber stamp of the chief executive is that the underlings who make these plans don't want to get in trouble by bombing some country that we don't have a war going with. In other words, we don't have an official war in Yemen where this took place, or in Pakistan where Osama bin Laden was executed extrajudicially. We don't have wars going there with those governments, so they kind of lean upon the CEO, the chief executive officer, the president, to put his rubber stamp on these actions before they do them. And this is what's happened. And as we said in our story, this is where the exercise of extrajudicial rights came down. And what's so fascinating and different about this particular one uh, that we that we talked about is that we've we have actually written about it before three or four years ago. The same family has been murdered three different times by these extrajudicial acts. The first two were drone attacks on a father named Anwar Elawaki, and then uh, two weeks later, his 16-year-old son. By the way, Anwar was an American citizen who was actually born in the United States, and so was his 16-year-old son. So after Anwar was hit in a public place with a drone that killed him, an American drone, uh, his son was likewise bombed two weeks later in, in a restaurant. The bomb came down right in the restaurant. It also killed some innocent diners who happened to be around there. These bombs never just killed the one guy, guy that they're aimed at. Both of those were approved by President Obama. Now we find three years later, approximately, a attack takes place in the same Yemen, and a different town, different place a little, I guess. But uh, this is a big attack. It's got a helicopter gunship uh, flown by the United States Air Force that was actually lost in the uh, fray. It had to be abandoned and destroyed. It had Navy SEALs from this famous Group 6 that killed Osama bin Laden, and uh, it uh, consisted of others. And believe it or not, at this battle, Somewhere between 10 and 30 civilians were killed, depending on who you listen to. The U.S. report was that there were 10. Others on the site uh, who carried the bodies said there were something like 30. Among them was an 8-year-old girl who, believe it or not, was the brother, also the, the daughter, uh, of the Elawaki family. So she was a member of the Elawaki family. She was only 8 years old, but it seemed that she, too, had been American citizen, whether she was actually born in America or whether she might have been born some other place, it was not made totally clear, but she was the daughter of an American citizen, so she was by birth an American citizen. So here we have now our new president, Donald Trump, on the radio uh, six days later with Bill O'Reilly of infamous Fox News, and O'Reilly was uh, talking about the murderous person that Russian leader Vladimir Putin is, and Donald Trump defended Putin in a way. He said, well, we don't have clean hands either. In effect, he said, uh, you can find his quotes, but he said, we've killed a lot of people too. I was against the Iraq war. That was the example that he gave. I, in observing all this, wondered if President Trump's conscience was bothering, if he, if, if he was feeling the pain of making this first executive order that allowed this big killing in Yemen, and uh, if that might have affected him uh, in his answers to Bill O'Reilly 
about how we don't have such clean hands ourselves. This has made big news. It's been sent around everybody, uh, everywhere. Trump is being called everything but a traitor for doing this. So we'll get into the punchline of all this later, but uh, I'll, I'll now defer to whoever would like to make comment or ask question. You know, as you people all well know, that through the campaign and everything else, he gave support to the state of Israel, and he even wanted to move the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and, and so he seemed to be pretty well in the Israeli camp, and the U.N. resolution that our ambassador did not veto the UN resolution to say that Israel should remove the settlements on Palestinian land. And naturally, everybody was blaming Obama because he directed the UN ambassador to, to not veto and all that kind of stuff. And we knew that Trump's kind of leaning toward Israel, but then he came out made a statement, It was, maybe it was kind of weak, but he did say, he said, well, you know, I think maybe the, the settlements are an impediment to the peace process. Now, that was number two. I had three, and the other one was before, as you know, in the campaign, he was for bringing back waterboarding. And that subject came up with somebody, and he says, well, I would defer enhanced torture to my uh, generals or something to that effect. And if I'm correct, I think one of the generals or one of his cabinet members said he was not for waterboarding. So he's kind of backed off on three of those issues, which we, I'm sure we all agree, that are kind of repugnant. Yes. Absolutely. Unconstitutional and so on. The transcript from the O'Reilly-Trump interview, O'Reilly asked, do you respect Putin? Trump, I do respect him, but O'Reilly, do you? Why? Trump, well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. He's a leader of his country. I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. And if Russia helps us fight against ISIS, which is a major fight, and Islamic terrorism all over the world, that's a good thing. Will I get along with him? I have no idea. O'Reilly, but he's a killer, though. Putin's a killer. Trump, there are a lot of killers. We've got a lot of killers. What do you think? Our country's so innocent? Do you think our country's so innocent? O'Reilly, I don't know of any government leaders that are killers. Trump, well, take a look at what we've done, too. We've made a lot of mistakes. I've been against the war in Iraq from the beginning. O'Reilly, but mistakes are different than Trump. A lot of mistakes, but a lot of people were killed. A lot of killers around, believe me. I'll repeat my question. You think that Trump is, uh, conscience is bothering him from having his blood in his own hands and realizing that he personally approved this killing mission that cost all these lives. Uh, lots of innocent people. Uh, a Navy SEAL got killed even. An airplane was lost. Several U.S. SEALs were wounded in this uh, famous Unit 6. I would certainly hope that his conscience is bothering him. Yeah. Well, he is being pulled in several directions. We can see that, and he's uh, flip-flopped a number of times, and so we almost really don't know what he is thinking. He's almost inscrutable from this standpoint because he says what people want to hear or is opposed by many on the left. 
for many associated <laughs> crimes in their mind. So we have a lot of, of questions that we have as Americans about this president, but we should have had questions about the previous administrations, just as Chuck enumerated here with the with Obama before and uh, his his promotion of the drone wars and uh, George Bush prior to that, our war in, in Afghanistan and Iraq that have done irreparable damage in these areas and untold suffering and, and uh, millions of refugees now in Iraq, Afghanistan and Syria and Libya too are, are meddling there. So interesting to me that we have all these people on the left that are all uh, upset about these bans on Muslim immigrants who didn't seem to care much about under the Bush administration. They actually got the Justice Department to say that enhanced interrogations were legal. And so that's how you um, make these things legal. You just redefine it and get some lawyers that will go along with you. And so we have kind of fiat law here uh, in the United States. Exactly, exactly, Tom. That, and that's what this program is really all about. We're not going to we're not going to determine what's whether Donald Trump is changing his spots in a in a big hurry or not. That's really not the issue that we're going to be able to solve. We would hope that so. We'd be great if we got a surprise, a pleasant surprise along the way, but. What is really the issue here is it's become so easy to murder people that a government like our own, just with, uh, with a few people that are appointed in these key offices in the Pentagon or in, uh, in some of the other departments, CIA, let's say, any number of places, can invent an idea. Then if they can come up with a logic why this is an Americanist thing to do and why it's good for us, and they can get some executive at a top level to sign off whether he under, understands what's happening or not, it doesn't matter, as long as they can get somebody to go on the line so that nobody's got to go to prison over the result of this. If anything, some president might get impeached, but that's never really happened. So then with that, you can go into a country thousands of miles away, uh, probably within minutes you can actually launch attacks that, that have the ability to, to kill a man uh, riding in a car, riding on a bicycle, at any speed, and so killing is awfully easy. And of course, the way the constitutional precepts that we believe in, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain rights that you can't take away from them because they're self-evident. They're endowed with them, they're native to us, and, and these include life. So here now we have a case where three American citizens living in a foreign country where they have some interest, uh, they have some political interest to be involved in, Yemen, uh, are all executed in three different operations, each one by a president who didn't pull a buttons or has never even been there, probably knew almost nothing about what he was approving, and who and they put a rubber stamp on someone else's plan down below, and then 24 hours later, you have uh, 50 or 100 people dead, and the lives changed of countless people, and the politics of the whole world affected. So these extra judicial killings are something new in our way of life that we haven't 
learn to deal with yet. And they are totally contrary to the principle of the Bill of Rights, which enumerates rights of individuals. And even in cases such as the case of uh, Osama bin Laden, does anybody remember why it is that we're interested in Osama bin Laden? What did he do that was so dastardly? Support, what was he accused of doing that was so dastardly that we hunted him for years and finally killed him uh, at, at, at the age of, when he was infirmed and about ready to die anyway in Pakistan? What was our beef against Osama bin Laden? Anybody remember the big thing he did? Well, yes, Chuck. Yeah, he was accused of masterminding the uh, 911 attack on the World Trade Centers. And, of course, exactly. uh, anybody that studied history exactly. knows that is that uh, Osama bin Laden was an operative of the CIA uh, in the war, the Russian war in, in Afghanistan, the Mujahideen. And so he was actually one of our assets. So the question begs is why wouldn't they have captured him live? Because, like you said earlier, it would be interesting to interrogate him and find out what really happened. So by this type of killing where they... Uh, came in, supposedly dumped his body in the ocean, there was no evidence that we could glean out of it other than a story that he was killed. And uh, so these leave a lot of questions. And all this legitimatizes the official reports about what happened on day 9-11 to those three buildings. So the very history that we needed to have, the very eyewitness, the the guy who was accused, maybe did it, maybe didn't, that, that who could have actually solved the question. He could have confessed to it, perhaps. could have said, I hired all these Saudi Arabian kids to go take pilot lessons and learn to fly these. He could, have, he could have given us his story, and then we would have been able to actually compare that to all the other stories of people that don't believe the official story at all. Uh, we now have literally millions of people in America who say the 9-11 story is a farce. It's not true. Something else happened, and they all, everybody has their own idea what that might be. But the, the one man who, uh, who could have confessed to it and set it all straight, what did they do with him? They go into his home. He's virtually unarmed. It appears that they had clear instructions to make sure that bin Laden didn't come out alive. And uh, he didn't. He was an old and firm man, shot many times in this compound of people that were virtually unarmed. There was only one shot fired by anybody in there. He had a a bodyguard or two. Uh, He had 11 children with him and three wives. One of them was shot. And in the end, then the same team of SEALs uh, who just went to Yemen they uh, systematically saw to it that he was riddled with bullets, his body hauled away, and he was dumped in the ocean without even taking a DNA sample so that nobody ever brought home a sample of his hair to, to prove that Osama bin Laden was really even there. All of this is too ridiculous not to believe it was planned that way. And in our system where we look to the inalienable rights and property, Maybe bin Laden is not protected by our Constitution. Maybe our Declaration of Independence, those principles that we believe in, uh, maybe they don't protect bin Laden because 
uh, as Tom suggested, he might have been at one time at least a U.S. agent uh, or U.S. trained, or certainly he wasn't an American citizen. That we have a right that he should have those rights because we have a right to the truth. The truth is part of what we have the right to know. And so Bin Laden was deprived of his life. Uh, true, he probably didn't have many years left, but he did have three wives, so he was still moving around, and he could have delivered something very valuable to us, the truth. The same is true of all these other raids. In every case, the best witness to tell us why, uh, why this family, the Elowaki family, uh, went to Yemen, who it is that they're fighting against, why they are opposing the government of Saudi Arabia and its, its effect to destabilize and destroy Yemen. These are questions that we just don't know, and uh, we're being systematically deprived of those things. So, Craig, do you have a response to that? Yeah, I do. I'd like to uh, quote from an NBC uh, news article concerning the raid. And this is at We Hold These Truths. We're obviously you know, pro, pro-peace. And like you were saying, Chuck, when these, these things, extrajudicial killings, assassinations, however you want to call it, we don't know the facts. But I'd like to go back to something that uh, Ron Paul said years ago, is that there's blowback. And you'll, you'll see in this, this article from NBC, it says, intentional or not, the author said, the death of three al family members will enhance the al-Qaeda narrative. She noted as part of the propaganda efforts, terror groups have begun to circulate photographs of children reputedly killed by U.S. forces. Photos of Nawar al-Awlaki, she's the eight-year-old, alive and dead, are already circulating widely in the Arab media. Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula released a statement via online jihadi media referring to the raid as a massacre. That U.S. troops had fired on women and children in cold blood and accused the SEALs of having, quote, no human values, end quote of the article. And it's, it's really interesting how this becomes now uh, a rallying cry for this radical Islamic terrorist that Trump says he is, he's so far against, and yet he's inflamed it with this action. So I'm, I'm very disappointed in this attack. Uh, hopefully uh, he won't uh, sign off on any more uh, like this until he, until he gets the facts. Supposedly there, the SEALs were going in to find uh, getting computers and some more information and so forth. Earlier in the article, one U.S. government official said, quote, uh, almost everything went wrong. He talked about the Osprey crashing, having a hard landing. A couple of fields were hurt severely even on the landing of the thing, and it just, it just kind of went from bad to worse. So why are we there? Yemen has not declared war on us. We have not declared war on Yemen. It, again, what's behind the scenes, like you said, Chuck, why is there a conflict between Yemen and Saudi Arabia? Our, you know, our puppet over there in the, in the Middle East. So uh, those are the things that we need answers to. Thank you, Chuck, Travis, and Craig for your input. I think the bottom line here, I can remember the saying, I can't remember who said this, but one of our founders, I think, said something to the effect that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and we seem to be lacking in that area today because of all the uh, massive uh, propaganda we get from our mainstream media and our government uh, and and these actions like we've just talked about today really do cloud people's thinking 
about these important issues that we must consider. And so we ask you, ladies and gentlemen, to um, exercise your right to eternal vigilance. If you don't believe us, check it out for yourselves. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.